This is, I don't know, I didn't come up with the title for this uh, when I, <laughs> I'm just realizing as we start the podcast, but I can tell you who I am and who's with me. Um, I'm Kenneth Arthur. I am a writer for SB Nation, uh, officially a California producer. Um, a lot of my work is going up at turfshowtimes.com, which you know because this is on turfshowtimes.com. Uh, and I also have been doing some writing around uh, uh, the NFL at other sites and for other teams as well. But a lot of that focus for me has been on the L.A. Rams, uh, an organization that I've followed closely uh, for a long time. And uh, they are going into the 2020 NFL draft next week, starting on Thursday. And they've got some needs. So today on this episode of a now uh, untitled podcast about the Rams, I am Kenneth Arthur. I'm going to be talking about those needs with a very familiar face to everyone, uh, or at least a very familiar name. And he puts out some uh, familiar words uh, to anyone at Turf Show Times. Sosa K. Should I just stick with Sosa K? Sosa. <laughs> Thanks for yeah, joining. Sosa, Sosa K works. Uh, I know a lot of people struggle with my last name. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Sosa K works or Sosa. Do you want to uh, clear that? You know, you can keep it as K or do you want to clear up that pronunciation for anyone out there who's been following you for a long time? Yeah. So the way to say it is Cremenges. Crem okay. Cremenges. Yes. Sosa Cremenges. Cremenges. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that, you got it. All right, cool, 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 cool. Uh, well, it's Sosa, and he's here um, on the Turf Show Times podcast to talk about the Rams' needs. And, uh, you know, you posted a great article this week on Turf Show Times uh, looking at the Rams' big board for you based on certain players and certain uh, opportunities that would be at the draft position that the L.A. Rams have, beginning at pick 52 and pick 57, which they got – just recently in the Brandon Cooks trade from the Houston Texans. So those will be the two most highly publicized uh, picks that they've got, but they've got, I believe, four other selections um, in the draft. I should have known that right off the top of the head, but, you know, they just made a change. Um, but uh, let's start just by the very basic question uh, of the whole podcast. Sosa, what would you say the Rams' needs are right now? Yeah, so I think um... – I, I probably fall in line with most people's conventional thinking here that, you know, edge rusher is definitely one of the bigger needs uh, since, you know, Dante Fowler walked in free agency and then they released Clay Matthews and they did fill his spot with Leonard Floyd, but um, it's still a, a room filled with a lot of question marks at that spot. Uh, as well as the offensive line, I still think uh, the offensive line should and could be addressed pretty much any position uh, across the offensive line, some are more immediate needs, like maybe interior as in left guard. And then some could be viewed as uh, down the line kind of things, like as uh, the left tackle position or even the center position could be viewed uh, in a year's time with Whitworth and Blythe uh, scheduled to be free agents. And then obviously off-ball linebacker, inside linebacker, um, they had Corey Littleton walking free agency, which I think a lot of people probably didn't really expect, but that's just kind of the way it shook out. And um, and not just that, but even last year, dating back to last year, next to Corey Littleton, there was kind of like a revolving wheel uh, at inside linebacker where they kind of started with Bryce Hager. And then he went down with an injury for the year. And then he was replaced by Micah Kaiser, who also went down with an injury for the rest of the year. And then they had undrafted free agent Troy Reader step in, and he was subpar. So I think you could probably make the case that even though a lot of people are high on Micah Kaiser, 
that you know that room has also filled with a lot of question marks and, and could potentially see you know even two new starters or at least one it feels like yeah and you know it's interesting because you know we're going to talk a little bit about the concept of need and i i was curious uh, just looking at the list of needs that the rams have right now that you're mentioning um for example just looking at the offensive line Everybody agrees that the Rams offensive line, specifically the interior at any point uh, or excuse me, at any position uh, could be improved. If this if one guy on the team had stepped up in a way that, say, Austin Blythe did in 2018 or Rob Havenstein uh, in the years prior to 2019, you say, hey, look, this is a guy um, that the Rams brought in and developed. Uh, Blythe obviously was drafted by the Colts and brought in. Um, as a player who was discarded there, but uh, you could see development within the Rams. However, looking at like, well, what if they spent a second or a third round pick on an offensive lineman this year? Wouldn't that help fill their needs? And Sosa, I'm curious because they did that in the third round in 2018 with Joseph Noteboom, and they did that in the third round with Bobby Evans in 2019, and they took David Edwards in the fifth round in 2019, and they took Brian Allen in the fourth round in 2018. I'm curious, uh, Sosa, when I talk about some of these internal options at those needs, like those offensive linemen or Micah Kaiser, fifth round 2018, uh, looking around at some of these needs, do you, how much faith do you have that this time is gonna be different from last time? And do you think that the Rams are doing enough to fill those needs? Is taking a, a player at the end of the second round doing enough to fill those needs? Uh, yeah, so it's kind of tough to say. I think, uh, I don't know if it just happened to be by by chance or if, if that's kind of like the philosophy of what Leslie and Sean McVeigh have kind of uh, leaned towards. But over the last handful of drafts, at least it seems like every time they've uh, went into a draft, they haven't necessarily addressed uh, the most intermediate needs. And, and it feels like they've kind of put more of a focus on grabbing whichever players they felt were the best players and could be starters down the line. And I think that's a lot of, um, like a lot of the guys you named happen to fall in that uh, exact category. Now, I also think that just because of circumstances last year, um, a guy like Joseph Nopum didn't really get the best chance to prove uh, what he's capable of because I know coming out, he just wasn't a guy who was ever going to excel at run blocking. That just wasn't his forte. And I think kind of slotting him in that guard was doing him a disservice to some degree, but at the same time, uh, they just really didn't have many better options. So I, I, I can see why that was the case uh, starting out the year. But um, as we head into, I guess, this draft, I'm curious to see whether they they kind of target more of the needs and kind of change up what we become accustomed to over the last few years because there are at least a handful of positions where the Rams could use immediate starters or whether they continue their trend of kind of just sitting back and letting the drafts so, uh, fall to them, so to speak, and then just grabbing whoever's best and kind of viewing those guys as potential starters or potential building blocks down the line. If you could pick, uh, and just quickly, like other than Andrew Whitworth, if you could pick one player on the offensive line to make the Pro Bowl, to have a Pro Bowl caliber season, to like really actually be legitimately really good next year, who would you pick? I think I'm probably lower on the offensive line than most people. Um, but for me, I think that's probably a pretty easy answer. I would have to go with Rob Havenstein at right tackle. Uh, and and that is one of the moves that I actually really like that the Rams didn't even do this offseason was getting rid of him because I know that 
he was a guy that could have been moved and I'm sure he probably would have been uh, brought back like some decent compensation. And not only that, but he would have freed up actually a decent chunk of cap space. But with that being said, um, I'm actually a big fan of his. And I know that 2019 was definitely a down year for him. But the funny thing about that is, is that even though it was a down year for him, it was he was still on par with Bobby Evans and Bobby Evans turned out to be quite surprised to a lot of people. So that I think kind of speaks to his talent and skill level. Um, and I know that he was dealing with a bunch of injuries in 2019, and I'm sure those hampered him to at least some degree, uh, because we have seen in the past, I mean, more so than not, outside of that 2019 season, I think there might have been only one season in his, I want to say, five-year career now, where uh, he didn't really look like a capable starter, and every other season outside of those two, he's looked either average or above average or even borderline elite right tackle so um i think if i had to pick someone it would for sure be havenstein yeah uh I, yeah i thought uh, i think probably a lot of people would agree with that um and i i mentioned to you over email that i had this thought that needs are overrated and it's in the mostly in the sense of you know people obsessed especially when they do mock drafts or try and connect player a player with a team in the draft all this kind of stuff it's just like well Look, the, uh, the Raiders, for example, need a receiver. It's so obvious. They had the problems with Antonio Brown. They never refilled it. They traded Amari Cooper. It's so obvious. Just receiver. Or, you know, it could be a team like the Dolphins and a quarterback or, or whatever it is. And with the Rams, could be their, yeah, it could be their offensive line. It could be uh, the linebackers. Um, but I think in terms of, like, the needs being overrated, it, it's, it's trying to – uh, plug a peg, you know, a round peg into a round hole, but the hole is going to turn into a square hole uh, in six months because, you know, such a player got injured or another player uh, uh, stepped up out of nowhere that was already on your roster. You know, NFL rosters change so much year to year, month to month. Like we can't even begin to maybe even fathom what the Rams needs will be in a year. So, what does it necessarily matter what their needs are today because they could have just as easily filled it before. Um, so in your opinion, when you go into a draft, if you were running a team, uh, how much would you focus on those needs? Especially, I guess we have to say in the, in the era of the coronavirus where we don't know uh, when the next season will begin. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting topic. It, uh, it's kind of like a never ending debate. Um, and I heard someone say a, a quote, which I thought was interesting, was that, I mean, and this is theoretical, obviously, because I'm not sure that it's really ever happened before, but you want to fill all your needs um, in free agency. And then as you work towards the draft, you want to simply be uh, afforded the opportunity to just kind of select the best players that are available, regardless of position. And like I said, it's kind of just a theoretical thought, as obviously I don't really think any team's just going to be able to go into the draft with no holes. But the one thing that I do think that the Rams have going for them in this scenario is that they have a lot of um, holes still to speak. And so whether they want to address the offensive line, address uh, an off-ball linebacker, an edge rusher, um, you know, even a receiver, I think you can make the case that there might not be any position on the team that that is like void of being uh, upgraded at this point in time outside of maybe like punter and you know long snapper and yeah. whatever that so I, I think it kind of opens up the draft for them to the point where 
you know, they, they don't necessarily have to draft for need, but they also happen to have a lot of needs at the same time. So that kind of works out well for them. But um, as for me, yeah, I mean, I would try to deploy the best, uh, best pick available strategy. And that's part, one of the reasons why I view a guy or, or a position like wide receiver as a real viability, even with the 52nd pick. I know obviously that would be strange with so many holes on the roster to pick a guy that, you know, might play 50% of the snaps at best. Um, but like you said, you, you know, rosters change all the time and that could happen as quick as a few weeks with injuries or as, as long as a year when, you know, a surprise cut or a free agent or whatever happens. And I'm sure, uh, you know, even when the Rams drafted Aaron Donald, I can't remember um, who the opposing defensive tackle was the one ahead of him on the depth chart. I know Kendall Langford was starting. I can't recall the other, uh, but he wasn't viewed as a, as a, like a necessary need defensive tackle wasn't in need at that point in time, but you know, through the yeah, end for the first four weeks, he didn't start uh, in his rookie season, but ever since then, obviously he took over the position and no one ever really looked back. And I mean, it even speaks to that strategy because I can't even remember the defensive tackles name who was ahead of him. So, um, yeah, you know, I don't know if uh, ahead of them, but uh, they had drafted Brockers two years prior to that. And, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the they had Brockers like and Langford. Yeah. Alex, Alex Carrington. Uh, I'm looking at the roster here from that just before the draft in 2014. So, uh, yeah, uh, to your point, like the best pick in, in Rams history, or at least uh, in the modern era, maybe that Aaron Donald pick, certainly not a, a pick for need. And certainly, you know, if you get in the best player available, although we can also see good players go to situations uh, that just don't make sense for them because football is such a particular sport. It's so it's uh, so individualistic at the same time of being uh, a completely team sport uh, in that same sense. I, I want to know as well, because you brought it up, free agency, you know, when you subtract some of those players like Corey Littleton and, and Dante Fowler, um, and you look at the the Rams today, including like also, uh, I guess, you know, Eric Weddle and, and Nickel Rowley Coleman. Um, but when you look at the Rams today, uh, did you feel that they that their need that their signings, especially the two big ones, Leonard Floyd and Sean Robinson, do you feel that they filled important needs or would you have allocated that money maybe somewhere else? Um, you know what, for me, this offseason was a little strange going into it. Obviously, they were kind of uh, cash cash strapped. Um, you know, they only had, I think, roughly around $19 million in cap space and a laundry list of guys to try and resign. So it was obviously never going to be feasible to be able to bring everyone back. But for me, I think they did it pretty much as well as you could have expected them to do, uh, better even, because I, I know going into this offseason, I didn't expect like two high-priced additions um, in Leonard Floyd and Ashawn Robinson, in addition to being able to bring back uh, Andrew Whitworth as well as an Austin Blythe. Um, so for me, I think they probably did as well as they could. Now, I probably would have uh, went maybe a different direction in terms of uh, which players they added. You know, I, I was higher on different guys like uh, Damon Harrison, for example, if they were going to target a nose tackle or a Mike Daniels, which also happened to play for the Lions. Um, I, I think he's probably going to be had on like a one-year prove-it type of deal. And he's obviously had put forth a, ton of incredible football um as well as a guy like Cameron Wake I think you know even at his advanced age uh he just is still such a productive pass rusher and to me even though he might only be a one or two down player at this point in his career uh, I think his his value when it comes to affecting quarterbacks and just applying pressure is probably greater than a guy like Leonard Floyd when it comes to uh stopping the run though uh, it might just be that the Rams um 
viewed that as, as a key cog in their defense and something they really wanted to address because Ashawn Robinson and Leonard Floyd are both primarily run stuffing uh, options. So uh, that might just be a part of the defense that they wanted to shore up. Are you uh, still there? Oh, could you not hear me? Gotcha. No, no, sorry. You cut up uh, there for a little bit. Yeah, I. Uh, that was my microphone's on-off switch. So, <laughs> uh, so speaking of the defense, uh, you have the Wade Phillips era ending after three years, and you know we have a, a, an unknown of certain to an extent with Brandon Staley certainly compared to a guy like Phillips who's been in the NFL since 1976 um but Brandon Staley comes in do you see any way at this point even with how plenty of unknowns out there do you see any ways in which the needs change based on Sean McVay making that change from Wade Phillips to Brandon Staley yeah so like you said it's kind of tough to say obviously because not only do we not uh, know too much about Brandon Staley, I guess, at this point in time, but he's never even been a defensive coordinator. So we really don't even know what his defense is going to consist of. We do, uh, we could probably make the assumption that he's going to come from the Vic Fangio tree and probably be interested in running something similar. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's tough to say. Um, the one thing that I did uh, find interesting was that while Wade Phillips was the defensive coordinator, the Rams invested a litany of resources in the defensive back room. I mean, they had guys like uh, the trades for Marcus Peters, the trade for Akeem Tlaib. They signed Nikhil Roby Coleman. They signed Eric Weddle. They drafted John Johnson relatively high. They drafted Taylor Rapp incredibly high. Um, mm -hmm. That was just a, a, a part of the field, I guess, or a position where they wanted to put a lot of resources into, and, and rightfully so. But um, And I think heading into this offseason, obviously, like I said earlier, they were a little bit strapped in terms of the assets that they had to use. And it will depend on what they do in the draft year. But it doesn't appear that um, they're going to be as interested in investing on the, on the secondary in the back end there. And that's obviously something interesting with, you know, a lot of question marks on that side of the ball. I guess, you know, you got uh, guys like David Long who are, likely going to be starters at this point in time guys like Troy Hill who are going to be counted on as starters uh, and even guys like Darius Williams who might find their way into the rotation at some point so uh, I think that's probably the biggest difference that I've noticed so far uh, and so when they're going in you know there's definitely talk about you know the the Rams in a cornerback right now they they would have Jalen Ramsey uh, Troy Hill and you know you mentioned those guys Darius Williams David Long uh, and, and looking at the this team right now or this draft class coming up, the Rams, as I said earlier, have picks 52 and 57 in the second round. Uh, and then in the third round, they have picks 84 uh, and 104, a common Tory pick. Uh, in, in the first range there, 52 to 57, uh, from what you see at the draft, how, how would you see the value for any team um, and the latter half of the second round looking like, is this a, an overall draft that you see having value into the late second round? 
And then specifically, how do you see that value fitting the Rams' needs? Uh, yeah, so for me, it feels like it's going to be uh, – it's going to line up pretty well for the Rams, to be honest. Um, obviously, the premium positions and the premium players are going to be off the board at that point in time. Got, uh, positions like quarterback, obviously, edge rusher, cornerback, all the best prospects will be gone. But I do think that – a lot of the Rams' needs and a lot of what the draft has to offer is they kind of line up pretty well. And um, just speaking about that, I think uh, the center class, for example, is really deep. Uh, I believe that the offensive tackle class is pretty deep as well. I think going into the third round, there's going to be a bunch of guys that are at least like quality developmental prospects, um, as well as the edge rusher class. Like it's not very good, but I think that's going to kind of play into the Rams' hand as well because. I think teams are uh, going to be forced to um, invest in that position probably early and take off the biggest names. But then after that, I think they might, uh, that second tier of guys in the edge rusher group might just happen to make their way into that mid to late second round. And obviously the Rams have shown interest in some of those guys. Um, and as well as like the linebackers, I think this is one of the deeper classes, at least that I can remember off the top of my head uh, when it comes to just off ball linebackers and, um, I mean, everyone is going to bring something different to the table in terms of their skill set and their ability. Uh, and so it's tough to say what the Rams are going to target if they target anyone at that spot. But if they do, and if they view one of these guys as a potential player that they're interested in, I think they're probably going to have a pick of at least three or four guys. So, um, and, and like I said earlier, even receiver, I would view as a need to some degree. And I think it would be just smart in general to, try and pick a receiver at some point just because mm -hmm. of how deep it really is. Um, and so, yeah, I think the knees are going to line up pretty well with, uh, with how the draft is looking at this point in time. Do you have any uh, particular, uh, you know, it's a little bit outside of needs, but uh, do you have any particular receiver that you see fitting well, really well for the Rams? Um, and and is there a reason why you'd say like, well, the Rams could use this guy because they do, you know, need speed. Uh, yeah, so there's there's a handful of names I think that are interesting, and that goes for pretty much every round. I think uh, there's going to be some names that intrigue me to some degree. Uh, so if we're talking about like round two guys, guys in that 52 to 57 range, it's tough to say exactly who might be available, but the number one name I have on my list is Jalen Rager out of TCU. Uh, he kind of reminds me of Brandon Cooks to some degree. They're both kind of similar in stature. They're shorter guys, but... Rager has just uh, this incredible speed and like a second level uh, jet on uh, when it comes to the field. I know his 40 time wasn't very impressive, uh, at least for a guy that moves as quick as he does, but he plays a lot faster than he times. Um, and for a little guy, he's also got this really good uh, and, and innate contested catch ability. Now, uh, the production was a little bit lower than you'd like, but I think a lot of that has to do with the quarterback play that he got from TCU. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, Rager's a guy who would be really a home run pick in that second round. Denzel Mims, I know is a guy that the Rams have shown a lot of interest in. Uh, he's another guy that kind of fits that mold, except he's a height, weight, speed freak kind of type, uh, type of guy. Um, and then another underrated player that I think that is an option on in round two has to be Michael Pittman Jr. Right from down the street at, uh, he went to U USC. He's. Uh, he's kind of, and to me, he's one of the, if not the safest prospect in the, in the draft. He's uh, just so nifty and like crafty his route running ability. I think his hips are really good. He can sink his hips really well and break cleanly out of his routes really quickly. Um, and though he doesn't run 
very fast. He he has this really good ability to work vertically and stretch defenses vertically as the other two guys do. Um, and a lot of that just comes from his ability to eat up cushions from defensive backs and and his like build-up speed as he works deep. And not only that, but he's actually a really big body guy and he has the ability to play above the rim. So he's kind of like uh, a complete receiver in my opinion. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of receivers. I think in the third round, there could be a few names there that intrigue me as well, like Brian Edwards from South Carolina and and, and you know various guys like Van Jefferson out of Florida. But it depends on who's available and mainly what Rams want to, uh, the skill set that they want to target because a lot of these guys are going to offer different kinds of abilities. Yeah, absolutely. And we know how important it is to Sean McVay or, you know, any coach uh, to have those guys who can do different abilities. Uh, And we've seen with the receivers, you know, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and whoever that third guy is, uh, how important they all work together in that chemistry between them and Jared Goff uh, and Todd Gurley or, you know, at this point, not Todd Gurley. Uh, But um I was also, you know, it's something that comes up with organizations often when they become successful uh, is that fans uh, like the part where they're successful, but they dislike the part where they don't have first round picks or that they have late first round picks. Uh, It happens with the New England Patriots, you know, who for 20 years now uh, don't rarely, you know, do rarely pick in the top 20, uh, if not top first 30, you know, Uh, the Patriots are rarely in that range, but they're constantly getting to the Super Bowl. Um, The Seattle Seahawks are a team that uh, consistently for the last eight years has traded their first round pick, um, either trading down or just trading it for a veteran player. And they've managed to make the playoffs in seven of the last eight years. Uh, The Pittsburgh Steelers, we saw last year when they were headed potentially for their first top 10 pick. And I think some 30 or 25 years uh, trade that for Minka Fitzpatrick. They don't pick in the first round. They don't seem to care. Not that these teams don't get quality players at every point in the draft, but that's kind of the point too. Uh, And for the Rams, a team that consistently was picking in the top 10 for many years, uh, which was not where you want to be, uh, even though it, it does make for an exciting draft for fans and draft season, that becomes less exciting for a season like this and for you know a stretch here of about five or six years where the Rams don't have first-round picks because they wanted to get players of a certain caliber. Um, and that happened with Jalen Ramsey and why they won't be picking in the first round these next two years. Uh, for me, though, I think that first-round picks overall do become overrated because we do see successful franchises get by and continue to maintain success without having first-round picks. And this is clearly an objective of Les Snead and Sean McVay to avoid the – not to avoid the first round, but to use the first round for a benefit of adding veterans who they feel are proven players. Uh, if you had traded the, the – if, if the Rams had the pick that they have this year – very unlikely, very, very unlikely they play, find a player like Jalen Ramsey, even though Ramsey is expensive. Uh, and I think that you could also be in that position now where if you're a Rams fan, you start to ask yourself, hey, what if instead of two late second-round picks, we have a, a, a late first-round pick or an early second-round pick if you move up uh, somehow? Uh, for you, Sosa, how important do you think it is to be in that first round? Uh, is it difficult for you, especially as a Rams fan and as a draft fan, to not be able to think about those things anymore? Or are you glad that the Rams don't have to uh, worry about top 10 picks anymore? I personally miss uh, drafting in the first round, like you said. I'm a draft <laughs> fan as well as obviously a Rams fan. But, um, you know, I, I think it's fine as uh, that, that teams do kind of view veterans as uh, like – 
assets that they can add to their team as whereas you know draft picks are obviously the complete unknown um but i think a, a more of like a delicate balance would be wiser when it comes to the approach that the rams do have because as you can tell uh, i don't think the issue is necessarily moving the picks for players for veterans i think the issue happens to be that you're not only obviously moving the picks for the players but then you're having to double back and and pay these players like usually record-breaking extensions or something up there close to that. Yeah. Um, and obviously that's hampering teams uh, no more than the Rams at this point in time uh, to uh, quite a big degree. Um, yeah. So that's obviously one of the the causes, I guess, that the issues when it comes to trading there. But like I said, if you can find a delicate balance or if you can uh, trade for players that maybe are underwhelming and still on rookie contracts on teams that are kind of looking to get rid of somebody, maybe that just needs a fresh start elsewhere. I think that's usually a, a like a trade worth making. And the one trade that I can say that I probably loved more than any of the trades that the Rams have uh, executed over the, la- the last two or three years was probably a keep to leap trade. Um, I think flipping day three picks for veterans is just a winning strategy every time, mm. every day of the week. Um, particularly when you get a guy like a Keith Leave who had no guaranteed money left on his deal because it just minimizes the risk, obviously, to a, a large degree. But um, yeah, I mean, I missed I missed picking the first round, uh, and a lot of that just happens to be, you know, the the five year rookie contract and and then having a player that's cost controlled for such a long time. Uh, Rams pick 20th in this year's draft. Who is your, who would be your dream uh, selection uh, assuming the types of players who will be available there? Oh, that's tough to say. I think thinking uh, just about what the Rams have on their team right now, I would probably have my fingers crossed that one of the big four or five offensive tackles found their way down there. Probably for me, um, just looking at it from afar, I would say, I think Josh Jones, the tackle from Houston, would probably be available at that spot, and um, and or the edge rusher from Wisconsin, Zach Bond. I think either one of those guys would have been a home run pick for the Rams. Uh, I mean, certainly, I don't follow the draft as closely as you do. I mean, I love the draft, and the first round of the draft has been my favorite day of the year for a long time, but um, not as much of a good uh, scout-type guy as you are. Uh, breaking it down, is there? Is, but I, what I've read is there any chance that the that the Rams can get into the range for any of those players, Bond uh, or Jones, or do you see them as a, we get closer to the draft, they've kind of locked into the top thirty? I mean, it depends, I guess, on how far those guys find themselves going down. Um, I do know just by reading reports lately and just things like that, I, I seen that Adam Schefter broke a, a report the other day that Bond did have a diluted uh, sample. I, th- I believe it was at the combine, um, which I guess he's not getting a strike for anymore as he enters the NFL because of the loosened rules and everything from the new CBA. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, I guess that is something that could potentially hamper him a little bit. Um as well as Josh Jones, I think he should be a top 20 lock, but with how deep the offensive tackle class really is, and there's probably about seven or eight guys that I've seen that could very well go in the first round. Um, I mean, he could find his way down into the 30s somewhere. And if that happened to be the case, I think the Rams could potentially be in play uh, to go get a guy like that because he is a viable option for me and is a guy that I'm really, 
really high on. I think he would be honestly a perfect fit um, at left tackle to, to replace Andrew Whitworth down the line. And one more thing to note is that Les Snead over the last three or even longer, actually, since he's been in town since 2012 with uh, Jeff Fisher, uh-huh. he's always prioritized the senior bowl. And um, guys like Zach Bond and Josh Jones were at the senior bowl this year. And, you know, I think anytime there's a guy at the senior bowl, um, as well as having an interview with the Rams at some point, that they're going to be a guy that, uh, you know, is a very potential option there for them. And, um, you know, with those guys both being there, I think they are options to some degree, depending on how far they slip, if they do at all. Yeah. Uh, finally, Sosa, uh, just curious because I talked a little bit about, um, well, what about the needs of next year? Why don't they fill that this year? Uh, give yourself a year to, to have that guy ready to go when the guy is on his way out. A lot of teams do have this strategy of just preparing, you know, one or maybe even two years ahead of time, knowing when certain contracts are coming. And for the Rams, as you mentioned, lots of they've 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 tied a lot of these knots themselves, if not well, obviously all of these knots. Uh, you can maybe deal with a upcoming $25 million cap hit for Aaron Donald or a 2021 $27 million cap hit for Aaron Donald, almost $28 million because he's Aaron Donald. Uh, but when you're looking ahead, it's how will they be able to re-sign uh, all of the players like Cooper Cup and John Johnson and, and Jalen Ramsey. And uh, there are certain guys coming up, Samson Abigon. Um, what needs do you see for the Rams in 2021? Yeah, so um... – I mean, like you said, wide receiver uh, is a very interesting one. Obviously, it's not a need today, but uh, looking forward, the wide receiver room could be very different in one year's time with Josh Reynolds uh, slated to be a free agent. You got Cooper Cup slated to be a free agent. And I believe next year, Robert Woods enters the final uh, year of his deal as well. Now, I do think the Rams are probably going to make a play to – do whatever they can to keep Cooper cup and pretty much anything would be on the table in terms of like a franchise tag and everything like that. But um, even if Josh Reynolds somehow hit the market, which is a really real possibility um, that does open one spot uh, in the starting receiver room um, as well as edge rusher. I think edge rusher is a need today and in the future. Uh, like I said before, there's a lot of question marks in that room. You really don't know what you've got in guys like Obo Okoronkwo, which I know a lot of people are high on. Uh, as well as Ebicom, I know he's flashed a little bit, but he just um, hasn't shown the ability yet to at least prove himself as a starter. And not only that, but Leonard Floyd was only signed for a one-year deal. So um, his depart- his potential departure next year would obviously open up another hole there. Um, and like you said, even about safety, uh, I know John Johnson's a guy that a lot of people love. He's developed into a fan favorite he's a really good player um and he's got a really good skill set for the nfl today he's his best he's at his best when he man covers tight ends but the weird thing about the rams is they just haven't really invested into their secondary long term uh dating back to at least five years now letting guys like janoris jenkins walk letting guys like trumaine johnson walk lamarcus joiner walk uh tj mcdonald walk Maurice Alexander left. Uh, the Rams just haven't shown uh, much of an interest when it comes to investing long-term in uh, their cornerbacks and especially their safety. So I don't know if that's just a by chance thing or if it just happened to be uh, just by random for those guys or if it happens to be a philosophical outlook by Les Snead. But um, that's definitely something to keep in the back of the mind as well. Absolutely. Uh, that's great. Thank you so much, Sosa, uh, for helping me 
uh, talk about the Rams' needs and some of the players in this class. It's been very informative uh, for me, and I'm sure the listeners as well. They know you from here at Turf Show Times, uh, just in case they don't know anything else about you that you'd, you'd like them to know, whether that's a Twitter handle or your height or something like that. Is there anything you'd like to add? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I guess pretty much everything I do, you can find on Twitter. If uh, if you use Twitter, you can find me at, at QBSMVP. Um, and yeah, pretty much everything I do is on there or on virtual times. And I do plan on having a, a true big board coming out in the next few days, hopefully, uh, where I pretty much list every single player that I've watched in terms of how they relate to the Rams and um, just, you know, dropping little tidbits on guys. And so, uh, yeah, that's about it. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Sosa, for joining the uh, still untitled Turf Show Times pot draft podcast. Uh, that's it for this episode, and let's see if there is another one.